IT has historically been in the back room. Today, it's the engine of most businesses. What that does is it puts, it elevates massively the requirements of IT leadership from one of backroom support to being on the front lines where the business is playing for a successful failure. Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, we sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional and personal lives. Today, Meredith Condor, Executive Director for Fisher Executive Education, sits down with John Dean to discuss the transformation of the IT industry and how current and upcoming IT leaders can use business strategy principles, including data analytics and corporate finance, to be forward-looking and active contributors to the process of management. This program is brought to you by Fisher Executive Education. Welcome to There's a Better Way. I'm pleased to be here with a new friend, John Dean. John has over 35 years of experience in the IT industry as a consultant turning around technology organizations for better business results. Um, He's worked in just about every industry from retail to government. Um, It's my pleasure to welcome John. Hi, John. Thank you. John, could you talk to us a little bit about the transformation that has happened in the IT industry over the last 10 years or so? What has your experience been? Well, thanks for the invitation. I, um, I think the last 10 years have been so different to the 25, 30 years prior to that because of the speed of change in information technology. It used to be that information technology was a group relegated to the basement of companies. And I think that it it had to do with what its contribution was to business. It was accounting, it was number crunching, um, it was human resource tracking and and records management and that type of, uh, of contribution. However, In the last 10, 12 uh, years, IT has transformed its contribution to the business from back office to front line. Very few businesses today operate without, practically speaking, immense reliance on what the technology available can contribute to sales, to profits, to effectiveness, to strategy, to how you manage people, to everything that is involved in the success or failure of a company. So it used to be a support function, and now it is essential to many of the facets of a growing business. Correct. And as such, its management requirements have changed quite dramatically. What IT leaders had to demonstrate in the old days was technical skill. And technical skill was bound by what was needed in order to support a specific business function. Today, IT has been elevated out of those boundaries. And the scope of what an IT manager, director, 
VP, SVP, EVP uh, has so dramatically changed that we find that if we have been trained for the last 20 years, we might find ourselves not fully qualified for the breadth of what is expected of us. That is the challenge. And I think that one of the things that that we all need to work on is to say not only how do we change the way in which IT leadership is generated, but also what do we do with everybody who is in the pipe already? How do we get the entire set of people, many of whom are very high potential players, to contribute at the level that is expected of them, whether fair or not fair. Wow, good point. So to summarize, many IT leaders grew up in the IT industry as the IT industry was growing, but they may have started as coders. And now so much more is being asked of them because IT now encompasses so much more than just coding a program, but you've now got concerns about social media and cybersecurity and e-commerce and um, financial systems, all of these things now are being, um, are falling under the technology space. And whereas in the past, somebody might have been good at one slice of the technology umbrella, now they're being asked to be experts or leaders in so many other sections of that industry. And so not only do they have to know a greater expanse of technology, now they also have to know business um, skills as well. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I think the, the, in the old days, your specialization might have been in program management or it might have been in enterprise resource planning systems or it might have been in a specific piece of infrastructure, whether it be network or, or gear or whatever the case might be. What has happened is that all of those things, while they still all exist, have been enhanced by three, four, five, six times. And then on top of it, the players that are actually uh, performing the tasks that get the results out of these tools has been diasporized. By that I mean it has been either outsourced or given to other people to create and manage. So the IT leader is in many cases doing much less in-house work and much more managing of relationships with either gig workers or uh, uh, contract workers or uh, 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 vendors who are actually holding a strategic piece of the contribution of IT. And when you and I had spoken earlier and you explained what you did um, at Clipper Advisory Group, you mentioned that sometimes you're brought in to um, support a, a CIO, for example, whose performance is failing. Or you might be brought in to replace a failing CIO until a new CIO can come and take that person's place. So can you describe some situations where you've been brought into an organization because a CIO's uh, not been able to carry 
the responsibility that he or she has been asked to carry. What, what are some of those stories? How have, how have organizations been impact, impacted by um, a CIO who's not well-trained across a business? Uh, by way of intro, my career has been divided, practically speaking, half and half between uh, being part of a consultancy, Pricewaterhouse or Clipper or, or uh, other companies, and having a real job, i.e. being employed by somebody to be a Your CIO. right? So over, over the years I have accumulated a set of circumstances that I was thrown into, either as a hired gun or as a, uh, a, a change agent, if you want, from an IT standpoint. The vast majority of the cases where, where one was brought in to fix something or to do a turnaround of some sort, um, it had to do with a gap development between the type and speed of the business strategy and the condition of IT to be able to support that strategy. That gap could be big or small. In some cases, it might be defined as political. In some cases, it might be defined as uh, the team is the wrong team. In some cases, it might say, well, you know, the team is okay, but the leadership is not, or things of that sort. But in every case that I can think of, and, and this goes across eight or nine different uh, sizable organizations, the Understanding what the gap was about was the key to the resolution of what management was looking for when they originally contracted me uh, to come in. Standard for me, understand what management wants to do, understand or distill from that what the strategy is, whether it's written down or not, and then understand what the position of IT is relative to that strategy. Uh, from a speed, from a scope, from a capability standpoint. If you subtract the capability from the strategy requirements, you end up with a loose set of things that are the core of the turnaround strategy. And from that core, you, you bust down into root causes and, and the, 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 the usual problem resolution approach to life. But, but I will I will guarantee that many of the people that might be listening to this have themselves gone through an approach like this, whether you know, at home in life or whatever the case might be. Where are you going? Where are you? Subtract one from the other and say, that's my plan. Mm -hmm. Seems like simple math, but it's much harder than that. I will say that, that having been in a lot of places, seen a lot of styles and seen a lot of situations, some of them much more critical than others, you quickly develop a sense of what are the things that have worked for you before, what are the things that management is looking for, um, but you can't be anything but surprised at what those symptoms are that you called on to address. Uh, organizational, financial, strategy, maturity, 
all of these things which might not be taught in business school or in IT development school, these are all things that the IT manager must manage. And I must, I should say also, the IT lead must be a relative expert in the entire value chain of the company that they're supporting. So it's not enough to be good at the financials or good at, at the operations or good at the store management or good at, you have to actually understand where the development of the product or the service is, how does that happen, and then for every step of the way, whether it be logistics or whether it be sales or whether it be uh, profit analysis or forecasting, it doesn't really matter. The, the, the head of IT needs to have a more than a chatting knowledge of each of these steps in the value chain. When there is a gap, it is seen immediately by whoever the function head for that piece of the supply chain is. And so you've got to, if, if you don't know a piece of it, you've got to basically dive in, learn it, so that you understand the context for all of the decisions that are being made, especially from a prioritization of work and where the money goes and all of that sort of stuff. Well, I'm sure you've reached that opinion based on your 35 years of experience, and I'm sure it's valid, but can you tell us a few stories without without outing any of our corporate friends about some failures that you've come across? Uh, I'll call them challenges as opposed to failures. Um, well said. Uh, in one case, uh, the, the company that I was called on to help had uh, developed a, a brand and brand equity in the approach that they took to selling from their stores. And uh, this, this brand equity was so, so intensely focused on that it was to the exclusion of the advances that were happening in technology. So what happened was the gap that I was talking about strategically had to do with, with there, was, there was no e-commerce in play because it was irrelevant. Mm -hmm. the, the stores, the, the sales happened from the store. And trying to navigate what was an obvious need, in some cases bumped up against the old timers in the company or even the CEO of the company. And so trying to do this navigation um, was an added challenge to the normal, how are we going to build websites and and apps and all of this sort of stuff. So that's that's the one case. Um, well, may I add on that? So um, not only did the leader need to know a lot more about e-commerce, but also how to make an influential uh, presentation to the leaders of the company that that's the direction of the company, that that is a strategic direction of the company. Maybe not today because the the brand was accelerating within the stores, but that maybe five years from now, as the society changed and people became more comfortable with e-commerce, that was something strategically the company needed to look at. But that takes a specific amount of skill, and communication skills and leadership skills. Is, I, I think that that is totally, totally correct. Um, the, the, how to call it, unspoken, skill that sometimes is called out to play is 
when you walk in and you find that there is this gap between where IT is and where the business expects it to be, it has to do with the fact, and in many cases the IT groups that one has been called on to, to help, tell you the company doesn't have a strategy. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. So yes, we are unprepared, but we're unprepared because the company doesn't have a strategy. Well, I would tell you that, that in cases like that, the CIO has to, even if they don't talk about it to anybody other than their spouses, um, they have to invent the strategy. They have to basically understand by interviewing executive management what it is that management's trying to do. And actually put something together that is understandable, that is logical, that can be sold in order to be able to start the process of making the, the gap analysis between where we are and where we're going. Every company, every single company has a strategy. Whether it is written down or it is a de facto strategy, every company has a strategy. What they might not have is a statement of vision that says, this is what we're doing, the strategy. What they might not have is, this is where we're going. Mm -hmm. So by asking questions, you, you tend to be able to narrow down what that vision actually is. Well, so you have gone in and replaced several CIOs while the organization looks for their next leader. Have you heard why organizations choose one CIO over another candidate? What skills seem to be most relevant to the C-suite? I would tell you that it starts from, from the hiring manager's definition of success. So what is it that they're looking for? They're looking at a more technical person who we're looking for. Or they have a problem, you know, they have a, a, an issue with customer data confidentiality. Or, or they have an issue with, we need to change our financial systems. Or we have an issue with, we can't support the stores correctly. So you will find that obviously there's a bias toward putting down things in the, in the job description that, that are going to resolve those immediate problems. So, um, can you expand on the importance of a working knowledge of corporate finance and accounting these days for a CIO? Or not just a CIO, any IT leader. Right. So, in the old days, um, there was a, a need to understand basically two things in, in IT finance. Obviously, there were more, but two things that we had to concentrate. One thing had to do with capital investment in projects. You know, you're going to put a new system, what is it going to take? And since that was going to be capitalized and capital was a, a, a scarce resource, it took on a life of its own. The second thing was headcount, and from headcount to expense. What was the expense of IT as measured in headcount? Mm -hmm. And those two things sort of like took on about 80% of the financial conversations that the CIO needed to be uh, well versed in. Today, the biggest contribution that a CIO can actually make has to do with understanding dynamic cash flow operation. 
for the coming. Because from cash flow will come the feeder to capital, and from cash flow, class, <laughs> cash flow will come the funding of not only headcount, but also the other ways in which uh, work is produced within the company. And cash flow is not taught. It's not taught in business school. You, unless you take on an operational job where, you, where, where the IT thing is somebody else's job, it's sort of difficult to find places where you're taught this. So somebody shows you two P&Ls for two different stores, and they say, tell me which one will succeed and which one will not. Here's the track records. Here's their cash flow. Tell me which one was to see. In the new world, the IT head or the CIO needs to understand this. And needs to understand what the levers are, that if I pull this, this is the impact that it's going to have in this store, and this is the impact it's going to have in this store. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at finance, obviously you've got the entire world of forecasting and understanding what in fact are the levers. Uh, that, that, that need to be applied. In, uh, it, 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 it takes us into the conversation of analytics, and analytics is not only about reporting the past in, in little, fantastic little pictures, it's about the diagno diagnostics, mm -hmm. it's about the prediction, and eventually the prescription of how you're going to fix it. In one uh, place I was, the, we found out that a specific store um, uh, for a specific SKU, the sales had dropped. And because we had the information of how that product was sold in that store prior to that, we went back and the system actually went back and understood that the store had inventory. It, it wasn't as though the, the, there was no product because the, the product was there, but it wasn't selling. Well, the system was able to translate that into a best practice to do with that specific case and say, send an email to the store manager and say, look for a box of this product in the back room. It's there. Lo and behold, two days later, sales went right back to where they should be. And this is something that in the past, unless the store manager or the assistant manager, who was ma whoever was managing the, the back room, was awake. You, you might go a long time. And this is the case, this makes the case for how IT has become the engine for many companies as opposed to a support group that plays from the back office or the back lines. Mm -hmm. So just to conclude, um, your experience is right at the apex of where a lot of CIOs probably aspire to be. You've seen challenges, you've seen successes, you've gone in and fixed problems, you've gone in and probably created a few problems of your own. Never. <laughs> but anyway, we are so thankful for your perspective and um, your view of what's going on in the industry today to inform us of how in the world we can try to grab hold of, of IT and hang on as it's speeding through this change environment. So thank you very much for your, your conversation today and for your intellect and for your knowledge. 
we really appreciate it. Well, I so appreciate the invitation. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm pretty passionate about the topic. Uh, I think that, that this is resolvable, like most things. We just need to concentrate on giving the opportunity to the up-and-coming men and women that are in IT leadership to actually go grab a hold of this ring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, great. Thank you again. You're very welcome. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or information about executive education program offerings, please visit fisher.osu.edu.